0: Sovereignty, His wisdom, and today we want to look at the goodness of God. You know, one of the catchphrases that you hear is when we say, I don't know if this still works, but we say, God is good. And people say, all the time, and then we say, all the time, God is good. So the older people, we know this, I don't know. But, um, We have regular celebrate God moments where we hear personal testimonies about the goodness of God, and today we want to look at a psalm uh, that's King David's, actually, his personal declaration that God is indeed good. And I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, and let's stand in reverence for the word of God. And David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes us boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, in this passage, the key verse is actually taste and see that the Lord is good, and the main idea of this passage is that if you want to experience the goodness of God, we must seek Him and trust Him. Now, the first thing that we see as we think about this passage is that the goodness of God is something that must be experienced. I mean, you can't just talk about it. You can't just hear about it or read about it. You really don't know the goodness of God until you actually experience it. In verse 8, it says, again, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I love this kind of food motif that David chooses because it's like, you know, here, you know, a lot of us, you know, we know foodies, or if you're a foodie here, um, you know, you love to go to new restaurants and, you know, your friends try it out and they'll say, oh, you know, you've got to try. This new uh, hamburger, or this great ramen, or this food truck that that we had, or this ice cream—I hope you guys have eaten. So, by the way, and and you know they say, oh, this new ice cream just moved—you know, this ice cream store just moved into Campbell. You got to try it. Things like that, and and so you hear all these things about this food, and you're like, oh, you know, but you know, food. Is, is always a, a first-hand experience, right? I mean, you can't, um, you can tell someone how good it tastes, you can try your best to kind of describe it, but they really have to taste it for themselves in order to really understand, you know, how good it is, right? You know, say, oh, you got to taste this grass-fed, Kobe burger, you know, it's like you can describe it, but you actually have to try it to really see what it's like, or this new fish taco, or this fresh, bo- fresh brewed boba, or something like that, It's like no, you got to try it, it's so good, you know? And you, you, you'll say, yeah, yeah, I know, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try it someday, but then you actually go, and you try it, and you go, whoa, yeah, this is really good. I mean, I've never had something like this before. And I feel like that's kind of the same way we, th- we need to think about, in terms of the goodness, of God. See, here in Psalm 34, David is saying, you know, I want to tell you about my personal experience of the goodness of God. You know, how good God has been in my life. How I, I glory in his abundant blessing and goodness. And, but he says, but you know what? It's, it's not enough. He says, you got to experience this goodness for yourself. You may, they, they, you, he wants us to join in in this wonderful experience of the goodness of God, this grand chorus of praise and, and worshiping God for the good things that He does. And again, you, know, you don't know the goodness of God until you've experienced it personally that's really what David is saying and he says I will bless the Lord at all times praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul will make boasts in the Lord let the humble hear and be glad and then in verse 3 he invites everyone to join him and he says magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together and then in verse 4 through 6 David describes his specific reasons for praise and he says I sought the Lord, he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. This poor man, meaning himself, cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now we know that what David is exactly speaking about, because it's written there, actually at the top of, of if you have your Bibles, it will have the little to, uh, uh, a post or prescript, whatever you call it there. And David is speaking specifically about a time when he almost died at the hands of a foreign king called Abimelech. Now just to give some background, David was running away from the murderous king Saul. Because Saul saw David as, as someone who's going to take his power. And Saul actually literally tried to kill him. And Saul was chasing David. And so David runs. And he comes to the fortress of the Philistines, which rule, which is ruled by King Achish. And his, you know, his other name is Abimelech. And David's hoping, he's desperate for just a place to hide. A place to find protection. But one of Abimelech's servants recognizes david and he says hey uh, he says to the king this is the guy who fought against you and actually defeated you in battle and so abimelech so david realizes oh my gosh i'm in big trouble now and uh because abimelech now can basically execute him Um, but david basically he feigned madness and abimelech instead of taking him in and killing him abimelech says get this guy out of here i don't want him near me and so this incident occurs rather quickly in 1 Samuel, but in verse thirty in Psalm thirty-four we see what David is thinking as he looks back on this particular um, on this particular uh, dilemma or, or or threat in his life. And David says, he says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. Fears here is literally the idea of stark utter. Terror. I mean, David knew basically he was going to die, and and he cried out to the Lord. And in the last minute, God saved him. He said, "This poor man, you know, cried out to God. Poor here means doesn't mean uh, uh, financially poor. It means physically exhausted. It means." To no physical strength, it means you're actually lying on the ground and you can't even, you know, have the strength to lift yourself up. And so David says, this poor man, he cried out to God and God heard him and God lifted him out of this problem. And David says, you know, it's as if an an army of angels encamped around me because he, he, you know, Saul's behind him pursuing him abimelech's in front of him wanting to kill him and so he's surrounded by the enemies he has nowhere to go but he says but the lord encamps his angels around me so there's no fear so i'm not afraid and it's in this situation where david says taste and see that the lord is good and and he says you know god is so good through this experience of, of salvation. Now, I, I can, at this moment, you know, I can think of a few times in my life when, personally, the goodness of God was like the only thing that I was thinking in my mind. I, I think about um, when Rita and I got married. You know, the doors opened up and she walked down the aisle. The first, the, well, the, the, the first thought of my mind was, Rita's so beautiful. The second thought of my mind was, God is so good. I mean, that's all I kept thinking. God is so good. I mean, I'm not thinking about, you know, what I'm supposed to say or what's going to happen. I'm just thinking, God is so good. God, you're so good. When I think about uh, uh, when Matthew graduated, when Lauren graduated from college, and both Rita and I were sitting there, and we were just, so all we could think of just with tears saying, God is so good. I mean, what do we do to deserve what God has done in the lives of our children? We can't describe it. And, and, and I can think of, of just these milestones where there's just overwhelming sensation and all you can think of is the goodness of God. And, and, and there's, there's, there's no way you can describe it. There's no way I can like, explain it to you. It's just that's all we say over and over again. God is so good. And, and in these situations too as well. These were not easy situations. These were not situations where everything you know, uh, uh, worked out exactly like we planned or exactly like we wanted or, 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 or anything like that. That, that. There were hardships and struggles and difficulties and times when Rita and I just cried out to the Lord. And then we, we get to that, the end of that journey where God uh, uh, hears our cry. And does the things that we never thought that we would ever see. We we would come and we say, and God, God is just so good. And we can't think of any other. I mean, you could write down a letter of what you want to say, but you just all you can think of is the goodness of God. And I, I feel like that's what David is saying here. He's saying, Taste and see that the Lord is good. That there's no other words that can describe and do justice to what we feel and and what we see when we experience the grace of God, when we experience the ways in which God has brought us through the things he brought us through and placed us in the place where we are now and done the things for us or for those that we loved and, and shown himself mighty in places where we thought there was no hope and, and done things that we never dreamed that he would do, and, and, and he proclaims that God is so good. But I also believe that verse 8 is not just an exclamation, it's an exhortation. It's a command to say, again, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's saying, for the people that are listening, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't want you to be bystanders or spectators of the goodness of God. I want you to taste it. And he's saying that there's something that you need to do. There's a command that we're called to do the things that put us in that place where our eyes and our hearts are opened up to the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God, you don't just sit there and the goodness of God just drops on you randomly. Well, sometimes it happens. But but we really, at, at times, need to put ourselves in that place, in that spiritual condition, where we can really discern the goodness of God in our lives. The goodness of God is all around us. But a lot of times we don't see it. Because our eyes and our hearts are not in that condition or in that place where we can really see and appreciate the things that God is doing around us. So this is a command of God, tasting. You know, when we talk about going to taste food, again, going back to that food thing, uh, tasting something new, it often takes effort, right? And it takes uh, daring it takes risk, right? Because somebody will say, "Oh, you got to try this live octopus sushi. It's still moving." You know, like, ugh, you know. Or you got to try this balut. You know, it's great. It's like this chicken inside an egg. You know, and I'm like, ugh, you know. And you're like, no way. I'm not gonna try something. You know, that's 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 a risk. You know. But they say, oh, but it tastes really good. You gotta try it. You know. I say, no way. You know. Again, it's you don't have to try every exotic food. You know, and you know, it's that's okay. But you know, if you never try anything new, then you're going to be missing out on a lot of good things, right? You know, um, you, know you hear this term comfort food, right? Comfort food is like your fallback. It's like when you, <clears throat> when you don't know what to eat, you fall back to what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable with eating, what you know you're going to enjoy. <clears throat> Matt, my son, he had a comfort food, and that was chicken nuggets, okay, so we're going to troll on chicken nuggets. Now, if you like chicken nuggets, you know we're going to talk a little bit about chicken nuggets here. <laughs> I'm sorry. My daughter's was uh, mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Lauren loved mac and cheese. Like, we'd go to everywhere She's just eat mac and cheese. But you know, we'd go to these really nice restaurants and buffets, and, and Matt would just go and get chicken nuggets and just fill his plate with that, and Lauren would just get. Potato, mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. And we're like, oh, what a waste, you know, you all this food. And they just get, you know, that. We could buy you mac and cheese for a dollar and give it to you, you know, and go to, instead of going to these restaurants. And we'd even, like, we'd go to these nice restaurants, and we'd say, hey, Matt, you know. And he'd say, no, uh, uh, chicken nuggets, you know. in his birthday, you know, we'd go to Black Angus. Hey, there's steak and everything. What do you want to order? He says, I want to order... Uh, I want. do they have chicken nuggets here? (laughs) We said, no. He says, well, what do they have? Oh, chicken fingers. Okay, I'll take chicken fingers, you know? And we're like, oh, you know. But, you know, so now with food, with food, that's okay. You know, if you like chicken nuggets, you know, don't want to slam on chicken nuggets, go for it, you know. Um, That's comfort food. But when it comes to the spiritual life, when it comes to the spiritual life, we don't want to go to a steakhouse and order chicken nuggets right i mean we don't want to say you know a lot of times we say oh that's about as far as i'm gonna go to trust in god you know no more than that you know i i i try to but i mean this is about as far as i can trust god and we say well that's chicken nugget faith i'm sorry (laughs) that's comfort food faith you're just not going far put yourself out there do more than usual. Do something for the Lord that is hard, so that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. When we pray, we say, Well, yeah, I'm this is about as far as I can pray. You know, I believe God answers prayer, but I'm, you know, I think this is about as much as I'm gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask bold prayers. In fact, I'm gonna ask prayers that I think I can probably do myself, are probably gonna happen. And it's like that's chicken nugget prayers, man. We don't want to pray chicken nugget prayers. That's safe prayers. Things that probably will happen anyways without the power of God. Things that probably will accomplish on our own uh, without the power of God. Uh, God says God can do, the Bible says God can do anything if we abide in him. That we can ask for a mountain to move. If there's a mountain in front of us, we can ask the mountain to move and God will move that mountain. And, and he says if we don't believe then we won't receive what we ask in prayer. And so God is calling us to say that our prayers need to be bold, not comfort prayers. If you really want to see and taste that the Lord is good, then you can't, you can't just pray safe prayers. You can't just pray for you know, little things or, or, or things that don't matter or things that you're going to take care of anyways. Take care of anyways if you want to experience the goodness of God, we got to put ourselves out there in prayer and really say, God, I'm depending on you for this. I'm calling out to you for this. God, I'm asking for you to do the things that that I know you can do and I know that I can't do. And we bring those things before the Lord so that when the Lord answers those prayers, then we can really say, wow, the Lord is so good. He is so good. When we step out and serve the Lord and we trust the Lord and we say, "Well, this is about as far as I'm going to go." Living Hope, we're not going to have any chicken nuggets serving here. Because here, we want to say, "Hey, even in the places where we serve, okay, you we don't say, you know, go out and serve in places you don't feel comfortable. If you love working with children, you love working with youth, whatever, you know, we go for it. But even in those situations, God will call us to step out in faith in the way that we serve, in the way that we, we, we love, in the way that we, we, we serve the Lord. We don't sit back and say, oh, well, I'm really good at music, and this is so easy, and I'm so talented. I can just go up, and I could play anything, and it's no problem. That's not really... Uh, trusting the lord and pushing out there we say oh well i've served with children so long i know exactly what to do as long as the kids behave i'm good you know it's no problem and uh and and we say oh you know it's easy we can do this or i've taught this lesson so many times you know i can just whip out a lesson and just do it and things like that we say no that's not that's that's serving um chicken nugget serving okay we really want to taste and see that the lord is good we don't want to be comfort serving That God's going to call us to say, hey, use our gifts and passions with faith. Do bold things. Expect that God's going to do great things in the places in which God calls us to serve. Step out and really trust God and see him at work and really taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes we say, uh, when we're reaching out to people and we say, uh, there, there, there's only certain people that I like to interact with and I like to hang around. You know, people who, who have the things in common that, that are kind and, and that I know that won't reject reject me or won't annoy me or things like that and they don't say things or ask things that make me feel uncomfortable and they're not too needy so i don't have to worry about their needs because i got a lot of needs on my own and god says no well you know this is comfort relationships god says go out and reach to the samaritan Be the neighbor, whoever the neighbor is, whoever the person is in front of you, be that neighbor, and you will taste and you will see that the Lord is good. God is so good, and he deserves so much more praise. And David, says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Stretch out your faith. Go deeper in prayer reach out to people taste and see that the lord is good let go of our fears that we that's been holding us back worldly fears that that keep us from resting in the father's strength face those fears in faith and we will see that the lord is good cry out to the lord really cry out to him if you're hurting if you're in need seek him in prayer don't just seek out this person or that person or this advice or that advice cry out to god and, 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 and the psalm says that your face will be radiant with the spirit. Take that risk for Jesus. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just agree with these things. Don't just watch other people do it. Don't just listen to testimonies of how other people have done this. Do this. Live this. Let this be a part of your experience that we can all join together to proclaim on Sundays that God is good, that God is so good that we proclaim and share and and ask others as well to taste and see that the Lord is good. And David says these are the things that we can do uh, so that we may experience firsthand the goodness of God. That's what we want. That's what we want when we come here and we praise God that we have lived a life, that we have walked with him this week and seen and tasted the goodness of God. Finally, one, the, uh, the final thing that's important is to understand that the goodness of God is always for the glory of God. That the goal of God's goodness is not just for our experience. To seek the goodness of God means uh, to, to glorify God. It's not just, oh, I'm going to chalk up another experience in the experience bank. Um, you know, our society right now is totally experience oriented. Um, in fact, experience is kind of like the new idolatry. I'm beginning to realize that as I read all these articles, that I've read an article that said 10 reasons why you should spend your money collecting experiences rather than things. And this is for, again, the generation X or the next generation saying that no longer is that about accumulating lots of, you know, house and cars and all this stuff. They're saying, hey, no, the new in thing, the new materialism is experience. The new gods are gaining more experience, spending all our money, all our free time in going to this place and eating this food and in, in seeing these things and experiencing all the things that the world has to offer. And this idea of you know FOMO, the fear of missing out, now becomes an actual fear. Why? Because experience has become our God. And the goodness of God is not another experience that we just say oh yeah i need to have that the goodness of god is for the glory of god in verse one it says i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be on my mouth my soul makes us boast in the lord that the humble hear and be glad and the whole reason that david is sharing about this experience of the goodness of god is this is to bless the lord at all times that god's praise would continually on my mouth i'm constantly praising god my soul is going to boast in the lord I'm going to tell the humble so that they too will join in the Lord in the praise of God. To bless the Lord means to acknowledge and thank and recognize the goodness and the greatness of God. Audibly, like really like audibly say I'm acknowledging, I'm thanking God because of his goodness. To boast. Now a lot of times we look at this word as boast that sounds kind of you know what does it mean to boast in the Lord? Well, boast literally means to speak of someone's good qualities, to make those qualities known to others. Now, the reason why we see that in a negative light, because we often see people boasting about themselves, right? I'm telling about all my good qualities. I'm letting everyone know about my good qualities. But to boast in the Lord means to speak about the excellent qualities of God and to tell others about the goodness of God. That's what it means to boast in the Lord. And so as we prepare for communion, we want to take it to heart to really boast in the goodness of God, to bless his name, to acknowledge that he is a good God. And and, and I want to close by highlighting a few universal, kind of ongoing manifestations of the goodness of God. The first, and all of us have experienced these things, the first is that God is patient in the Bible, patience means to not avenge for doing something wrong, uh, though you have the power and the right to do it. That's what God. He has the power and the right to punish sin, but yet He holds back. He is patient, He is long-suffering, and he doesn't allow the consequences or the judgment of our sin to visit upon us immediately. Uh, You know, a lot of times we, we may complain and we say, well, you know, God's not good enough to me, or I didn't get this, or I want that, or I deserve this. But the Bible makes it clear that if God was not good, we would have nothing. God is patient. He does not execute justice. He waits for us. He waits for our hearts. Even when we think about the things which we do that hurt God, that disobey God, and yet God continues to, uh, to, to, to wait, to, to be gracious in his dealings with us. For some of us, he's been waiting for, for years, and he doesn't give up because he's a good God. You know, we, we will give up on people sometimes. We'll just say, you know, I, I had enough. You know, I can't take it, you know, I can't take it anymore. I, I can't trust you anymore, things like that, you know. I can't rely on you anymore. This is it. But God doesn't give up. He's patient. He's patient with each one of us. Another manifestation of God's goodness is His provision. Every day when we get up and we see the sunshine, we say, man, what a beautiful day. When you have a hard day, you know, we had a, Reed and I had a hard day and we, we, we you know, talking about stuff. And uh, at work and stuff. And then we get into the car and we're driving and we're still thinking about, oh, you know, this and that. And then you look up and you see um, the sunset and it's beautiful. I it was so beautiful. It's just purple and orange. It's just beautiful. And you say, wow, God made that. And God is so good. When we treat ourselves to a meal, and we say, yeah, let's treat myself, it's my birthday, or it's, oh, I just got some extra money, or, oh, I got a bonus, I want to take everybody out, or whatever, things like that. Whenever we treat ourselves, we say, oh, God is so good that I can enjoy this with my friends, with my family, that I can do this for the ones that I love. Every time you see something beautiful, a rose, a clouds, a, a, a trees, a rain, you feel the rain, we say, well, God says, that's, that's my gift, provision to you. Now, conversely, and I want to speak about this too. Conversely, if you can't thank God for something, (laughs) it might not be good. Okay. Uh, James says every good and perfect gift comes from above, is from above, coming down from the fathers of light. And then it says, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's to be received with thanksgiving. So I would also give this as a little bit of a warning that if you're allowing. or practicing something in your life right now, and you can't honestly say, this is a gift from God, I'm so thankful. If you can't say that about what you're doing, or about what what you're allowing into your life, um, it might actually be a good thing to get rid of it. Because it's not a good gift from God. If you really honestly can't sit down and say, this is a good gift from God, maybe it's something that should not be in our lives at this time. And it may be something that's good, like it's neutral, but you just for some reason say, I I really can't feel like this is something that I can look back and say, this is a gift from God. This is an expression of God's goodness for me in my life. Finally, God's goodness is seen in his grace. The love that he gives to us. in, in the fact that uh, grace, uh, one person put it this way. Grace means giving your absolute best to someone who deserves your absolute worst. <laughs> grace means giving your absolute best so, to someone who deserves your absolute worst. And that's what God does for each one of us. That we deserve his wrath even after we're saved by grace. We deserve his absolute wrath. But yet God gives us his absolute best. He gives us the best things that he could ever give to us. That's that's the grace of God. The grace of God is seen in in God's love, his his truthfulness. God is the only one who's going to deal with you in truth, that, that if there are things in our lives that need correction, Things in our lives that are not good. Illness that needs a cure. God's not going to just say, well, that's not my problem. I don't have to worry about it. God says, I'm going to continue to pursue you, to work with you, to work in your life so that, that, that you will be the best you can be for God. And, 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 and that's the grace of God as well. You know, as parents, we, we never give up on a wayward child. We never stop praying, no matter what they do. No matter how far away, we never stop praying. We never cut off the relationship simply because they're not doing the things that we told them to do or we want them to do. We don't say, well, I told you so, so that's it. I don't have to worry about you anymore. I don't care anymore. No, we keep telling them. We keep going after them. We keep praying for them. We keep hoping. We never give up. Why? Because it's our child. God is a heavenly father. He is full of grace. And he will never give up. He will never stop offering to you and me any less than his best at any moment, no matter what the situation. God always offers redemption. God always offers forgiveness. God always offers his grace. God always says to us that we are more than conquerors in any situation, at any moment when we are willing to humble ourselves and pray and seek him. This is the grace of God. If you have never received Jesus as Savior, if you don't you know, you say, well, I kind of understand this idea of the goodness of God, but, but I really want to feel and know the goodness of God for myself. I would encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, to believe and to know that, 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 that we indeed deserve punishment for our sin. And yet God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to, to take the punishment we deserve and to rise from the dead And that if we put our faith in Jesus, that God promises that his grace and his goodness will pour upon you. Not just at that moment, but for the rest of your life and for all eternity. That's the goodness of God. And he's already been waiting for you. He's been patient, waiting for you to receive him. He's, probably, he's been working on you for years. He's been thinking about you since the day you were born. And he has been gracious and patient and good and waiting for you to come and to know him as Savior. And so this time, as we prepare for the communion, let's go ahead and let's bow our heads in prayer. And let's consider these things regarding the goodness of God in our lives. God's patience, God's provision, God's grace. Or maybe there's something very specific in your life right now that you said, you know, God, I haven't given you the glory and the honor and the credit that you deserve. So right now, I want to give that to you, God, to thank you for what you have done, to thank you for the ways in which you have blessed, the ways in which you have answered prayer or even done things that I haven't even been praying about yet. But God, you're so gracious and you have done this for me. And God, you're so good. Let's take that time right now as we prepare for communion to to think upon these things so that as we take communion, we can just take communion and remind ourselves of the goodness of God. And so we invite everyone who is a a believer in Jesus Christ, who's put their faith in Jesus, that you can come forward and take of the elements. The bread is the body of Christ, which is broken for you on the cross the, the, the cup is the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And every time we take of this, we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. And so we invite you to come. Come and take the communion and gather together and pray and, and just allow your prayers to just swell up with praises of the goodness of God together. And so could we go ahead and invite you to come, come and take the communion, and please join and pray together in this great chorus of of the goodness of God.